Monday the 22nd of February 2010, Peter Garrett resists calls for his resignation. No clean feed monomaniacs get up my nose. And a fucked up premier of a fucked up state adds yet another fucked up transport promise to the big fucked up pile of up fuckage. This is the 9pm edict. Hello, I'm Still Gary and welcome to The Edict. Peter Garrett headlines the political news today. He's Minister for the Environment, except for the bits handled by Senator Penny Wong. And since she takes care of climate change and water resources, you have to wonder what Garrett does. The answer appears to be install insulation and announce projects that personally I would have opposed when I was lead singer of a nasal whiny complaint about everything rock band much beloved of late 70s, early 80s university students. But like right now, I reckon they're wonderful like pulp mills in Tasmania, and toxic waste dumps, and nuclear reactors. Hang on, we're not up to that bit yet, but, uh, you know, give him time, Peter will come round. Anyway, if you believe opposition leader Tony Abbott, a.k.a. Mr Pointy Ears, Garrett's job in all the government-funded roof insulation schemes was to personally supervise the safety of every poorly trained insulation installer in the goddamn country and to be personally responsible if they came a cropper. Okay, four people have died installing metal foil insulation in ceilings. This is not good. But ceilings are dangerous places, often with dodgy electrical stuff, and metal foil insulation is, well, metal. That is, it conducts electricity. And accidents will happen, especially if not everyone is thoroughly trained in the safety procedures, especially if you go fast. And not that long ago, the opposition was calling for the government to go faster, 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 faster with all of this. And now they're complaining the government went too fast. So which do you want, Abbott? Fast or not fast? And what would you have done better here? What was your plan? Hello? Hello? I can't hear you, Tony. What was your plan? I guess you were too busy chatting with Lord Moncton about how global warming is some vast left-wing conspiracy designed to force up the prices of Bentleys and eventually reveal that an alien invasion will cause our teeth to fall out or something. I guess you were too busy saying that you support the death penalty, except that you're not suggesting we introduce the death penalty, but if we did, like if someone else brought up the subject, because it wouldn't be you, because you're opposition leader and you're a caring human being who's worried about the virginity of young women, but yeah, look, if someone else broached the subject, well, you wouldn't say no, as long as we're talking about someone who killed hundreds of thousands of people. Not that that's actually happened any time in Australia's recent history, except maybe when your previous boss, John Howard, took us into a war in Iraq and then, well, half a million people were killed or whatever it is. But that's okay, because he's got a tracksuit. But back to Peter Garrett. Yes, four people are dead. But what none of the media reports on this issue have explored so far is whether this is in any way abnormal. What is the annual rate of deaths in the residential building and maintenance industry? Maybe all we're seeing here is the normal rate of fatalities in any accelerated building project. Maybe, given that we're talking about less than a handful of cases, maybe this is just statistical noise. But of course that doesn't matter in the grand scheme of daily politics where it's all reported as a kind of combat, as a kind of ritual sport. No, no, no. The opposition must call for Garrett's resignation Garrett must stand firm, and that's what the story is about. And yet, of course, there are vastly more important issues in politics this week. Dogs. Liberal Senator Helen Kroger is recovering in hospital at the moment because she was attacked by a dog last week. It turns out it wasn't Christopher Pine. 
it was a fox terrier that lives next door. So why isn't the government doing more about dogs? Well, today there was the news that knife attacks are on the rise. Victorian police say there were 13 incidents involving knives in Melbourne at the weekend. Most of them involved alcohol or drugs. Most of them involved young men. So why aren't we calling for the banning of knives? Or of young men? Why isn't IKEA being blamed? Because, I mean, they sell knives. Why aren't we closing restaurants? Because they're full of knives, especially the kitchens. Why don't we ban kitchens? I mean, that's the logic we apply at airports, isn't it? But let's look at that. 13 incidents involving knives in Melbourne, a city of millions of people. Again, this is a number out of context. Is this normal? How many violent incidents do we normally have in a city like Melbourne in a week or a month? Is 13 clustered on one weekend anything particularly remarkable? Or does it just sound like a lot if we don't actually know anything about crime statistics? This is where the news lets us down. And this is where I'd like to see a rule applied, which I saw someone else on the web say, don't ever quote a single number unless you provide more numbers to put some context around it to explain what it means. 13 incidents involving dives, that certainly sounds a lot if we're talking about my living room on a Saturday night, but across a big city, is that maybe just a few more than usual? Isn't that just perhaps statistical noise? Meanwhile, in New South Wales, well, it's Monday, so therefore uh, we had another transport plan for New South Wales. And of course, this one is just like all the others. It basically overturns what was uh, said the previous week and uh, reinstates what was said the week before that, or something like that. And uh, surprise, surprise, this new transport plan includes a fast rail link all the way out to the west and a new rail link all the way up to the northwestern suburbs of Sydney, where, of course, there are marginal Labor electorates. And here we go, we're a year out from a state election. This happens every goddamn time. And the problem is, we never actually seem to have any new transport infrastructure built. There never seems to be any relationship between the plan and where people need to travel. And there certainly doesn't seem to ever be any detail of how we're actually going to fund it. Now, once more, we see the whole Sydney transport plan spending more on roads and car travellers than on actual public transport infrastructure. $22.4 billion was put down for plans for more roads, only $11.2 billion, half of that for heavy rail expansions, and $500 million for light rail or tramways, and $2.9 billion on buses. And one of the other things that uh, didn't seem to come out of this was that the rail projects included building a tunnel which is already built. The plan announced by uh, Premier KKK yesterday included building a new railway tunnel from Wynyard down to Town Hall, down to Central, out to Redfern and coming out of Everly so that you could relieve all of the pressure on those inner city stations, which quite frankly are dangerous, and spread the load over more platforms. Those platforms already exist. They were built as part of the Bradfield plan when the Sydney Harbour Bridge was built way back in the 1930s. And now they're just bricked over ever since, waiting to be used. If you uh, make the right contacts, you can actually do guided tours of them. So the question is, why are we announcing all of this money 
which includes money to build tunnels which are already there. The answer, of course, seems to be that in New South Wales, the art is not actually building transport systems, but announcing that you're building transport systems. I'm just wondering whether uh, everyone in New South Wales has finally worked out that this is the case and they don't care anymore. Certainly I don't. <laughs> Now, I haven't actually said what the 9pm edict is about, and I've had a few people asking whether this is the new version of Stilgarian Live, which was the live-to-air video program I did over quite a few Thursday nights last year. Well, the answer is both yes and no. I stopped doing Stilgarian Live because, quite frankly, it was an experiment, and I was getting bored once the experiment was proved successful. I did prove that using a laptop, a microphone and uh, equipment I could carry in a backpack that I could do a live video program from anywhere I liked and stream it to the internet. It wasn't earning any money so uh, I really needed to give my time to something else. This is partially another experiment and we're going to run the 9pm edict for 10 weeks two nights a week, total of 20 programs. Again, I'm interested in how I can put together an audio program uh, using simple equipment, maybe having guests, and seeing where we go from there. Now, I haven't got a fixed format in mind, except that I'd like it to be a, a, a brief, punchy program and somehow about the news. So I'm certainly interested in uh, your comments about what the program could be about. Now, just like in my Patch Monday podcast for ZDNet Australia, I can take your audio comments via Skype to Stilgarian or via phone to uh, Sydney 02-8011-3733. And what I really like is the fact that someone has already made an audio comment even before the program started. Well, this is actually a comment for the 9pm project, a project forthcoming in secret and now finally revealed and I tell you I'm, I'm experiencing emotions only last film when it became near to certain and clear that John Howard was going to be kicked out of office there was going to be a change of government from a pox on our land I look forward to having what I find uh, one of the most hard-working online individuals who actually makes the effort to background the story and to find those stories that are directly relevant to me, to make me feel informed about things that matter, delivering such a service every Monday night, just before Q&A, which is a piece of shit, the middle-class you know, thinkers, I think that's what they call them. Good on you. It's all mobile here. Over and out. Well, I wouldn't say that the stories tonight have been particularly well-backgrounded. Maybe next time. But it does raise the question, what would you like me to do in this podcast? Provide a quick summary of the day's news, leaving out the pointless bits? Uh, cover one issue only, but in more depth? Interview people? What? Please leave a comment. You know where to go. <laughs> Now, yesterday, Senator Stephen Conroy, the Minister for Broadband Communications and that stupid phrase, the digital economy, was on ABC TV's The Insiders. I didn't watch it. I can't stand watching it. The Insiders is such a drab ritual, and I may whinge about that another time. But the main point of Conroy's appearance was to talk about two issues currently in the news. One was the... Uh, 
hand out, as many people see it, of $250 million to the commercial television networks. And the other was the appointment of a former Labour Party apparatchik, Labour Party hack, to the National Broadband Company uh, on a salary of $450,000 a year when uh, no other candidate was considered and uh, he just seemed to go straight in the job. These were obviously two very big political stories and they were live stories that week. But what pissed me off was that uh, all of the little people who have put a no-clean-feed avatar on their Twitters were whinging that the insiders had somehow failed by not interrogating Senator Stephen Conroy about the internet filtering program. Well, I have a message for you, dear people. The Insiders is a news program. News is about what's happening currently. And what they were interviewing Conroy about was what was current in the news. The internet filtering proposals of the Rudd government, while incredibly important, as you know, this is one of my big issues, but those proposals are this week not news, because the last movement was in December, when the NX test lab report was returned, and Conroy made the announcement about what was happening next. The next point in the news cycle where this will be of relevance is when we start seeing the submissions to the government uh, call for submissions on how they can make the blacklist process at the Australian Communications and Media Authority more transparent while at the same time keeping it secret. Yes, I know that's going to be a really weird little thing, but that will come up in the news shortly. However, the filter was not news this week, and therefore I think it is time for an edict. This is edict number one, section one. Before anyone will be permitted to add the hashtag no clean feed to their avatar or to their blog post or to their Twitter feed or before they are permitted to turn their avatar black, they will be required to one. Read the Broadcasting Services Act, especially Schedule 7, which relates to prohibited online content. 2. Read the website libertos.net, specifically the pages which detail the internet censorship system already in force in Australia and the page describing in detail the Labor government's plan for internet censorship. And 3. Before making any comment, they will be required to pass a test demonstrating that they understand the difference between the classification system, between what is refused classification, and what is prohibited online content, and what is the section of the ACMA blacklist which relates to prohibited online content which is refused classification. Section 2. No one shall be permitted to retweet any link to any website and tag it with hash no clean feed unless they have personally read the material to which they are linking and have confirmed that it contains new material which has not previously been tweeted by anyone else at any time ever. 
Section 3, that the penalties for breaching 1 and 2 of this edict shall be that anyone will be allowed to mock you publicly, to laugh and point at you, and spit upon you. And that's all for the edict tonight. I'm Stilgerian. I'll be back with you on Wednesday night, the 24th of February, 2010, at or before 9pm Sydney time, because this is the 9pm Edict.